Well, a happy Wednesday night, everyone, and welcome into another edition of This Week in Hockey presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Big thank you to them for joining the show. Happy to have them on board. Unfortunately, a tough show this evening because the news broke earlier today that the St. Louis Blues announced the passing of Bobby Plager, who was in a car accident earlier today. Um, and we're going to bring you a interview that uh, Chris Kerber did with Bobby Plager earlier this past season, talking about his brother, Barkley Plager. Um, but the only way we thought we could do this justice was to have the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, on to talk about the life and legacy of Bobby Plager, who is beloved here in St. Louis. So, Kerbs, um, unfortunate to have you on to talk about something like this, but remembering the life and legacy of uh, Mr. St. Louis Blues, Mr. Hockey here in St. Louis, uh, Bobby Plager. So, so Kerbs, I'm just going to let you take it away, sir. You know, we, we are, Alex, uh, we are all just uh, crushed today and i don't know any other way to do it uh you know as as was put out you know bobby always said number five in your program number one in your heart and as the statement said our hearts are broken tonight um for and they ache for him for his daughter melissa you know his his entire family his grandkids uh it's it's such a sad, a sad day uh, for the St. Louis Blues organization and, and for anybody that knows him and for the city and the entire region. Um, he, he was such an amazing treasure and a positive individual. There, there, was, there was no better moment to my day in the last 20 years than going down to the rink and seeing Bobby and just talking with him. And sometimes it was a new joke he had. Sometimes it was a, uh, we're talking hockey, he could still break the game down. He'd still get frustrated by a defenseman's play. Um, you know, even recently, just a couple of days ago, getting a text asking what a certain player was doing on a certain play. I mean, he was just so into it. Uh, so a, a very, very, uh, very, very sad day for uh, for everybody. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody around town that at some point in time uh, in the last 50 years uh, has uh, did not meet Bobby Plager. I mean, just just an amazing amazing individual and there's there's nobody that wore the blue note or had the blue note mean so much to them as as bobby plager you know and when we say mr hockey here in st louis or mr st louis blue you really mean that because i mean he played over 600 hockey games in the national hockey league a majority of those in st louis he was the first st louis blue that was taken in that expansion draft from the new york rangers on top of it he had pretty much every role you can think of within this organization curbs he and his brothers basically created that legacy here in st louis he was a coach for the st louis blues when it comes down to it it's not just here in St. Louis. When someone thinks the St. Louis Blues hockey organization, they think Bobby Plager. Listen, the, to me, the greatest number, uh, there's different reasons that every one of those retired numbers are up in, in the rafters. Um, you know, and and Bobby's, Bobby's and Barclays are, are about the heart and soul that, that they created and, and uh, the culture of blues hockey that will forever be linked to those, to, to, to those two. And when it came down to retiring Bobby Plager's number, and there was some great debate to me from day one, there was never a debate uh, because I think it was a way of honoring a guy who 
did everything with the franchise and, and meant more to this franchise than just about anybody. And, you know, there's the on-ice stuff of, of, of the other guys and, and what happened to some of them. You know, Bob Gassoff is up there because of the nature of his tragic death and the way to honor him early in the franchise and things. But Bobby was one for an entire body of work from his play and on the ice to how he, what he, his teammates meant to him, to what he did, to, um, you know, to just to, to how that same attitude that he had as a player, that same friendliness and love of people and teammates, and the St. Louis Blues he had as a player, he walked that walk every day of his life. Yeah. Every day. Every day. You know, there's 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 nobody nobody represented this team with with more passion and and uh and and true love of this city and, and that, that blue note that then Bobby did. You know, um, you know, you could always maybe make some cases that there'll be some that, that were, were equal. But I wouldn't even know where to start with those. I mean, these two guys, or Bobby was just was just amazing. And so, I, I think one of the greatest moments in Blues franchise history was recognizing all of that and retiring his number. Yeah. And and that will I've said for a while, Alex. You've heard me say it both uh, privately off the air and publicly on the air that that's one of my top five St. Louis Mo Blues moments of all time, and uh, and will forever rank there. Well, and the other one that I know so many people would would say is up there, and I'm sure it's up there for you too, Curbs, is uh, watching Bobby get that parade that he always talked about. Anytime you were around Bobby Plager, he always talked about how these guys are going to get me my parade. I can't wait till these guys get me my parade. I was on the ice in Boston when the Blues hoisted that Stanley Cup, and I watched Bobby Plager get handed that trophy and have to be helped to hold it above his head. And, and his comment after was, geez, this thing's a lot heavier than I expected. So I think a moment that I'm going to always remember and cherish is the fact that Bobby Plager got that parade that he had always talked about here in St. Louis. Well, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think of all the different Stanley Cup celebrations that have happened on the ice. And, and I'm sure I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I will have missed some here or there along the way. Right. But typically the people you see lift the cup, you see the general managers, you see the coaches, you see all that stuff. Um, we had our, we had an alumni. Yeah. You know, we, we had an, an alum. We had we had Bobby Plager. Like, it meant just as much. And I walked – I went down after – you know, Alex, remember when you guys were doing your post-game show and I walked down there, Bobby was just sitting outside in the in the lobby. Yeah. Not in the lobby, in, in the walkway. And for the next 30 minutes, he and I just sat there with the – well, he sat there. I'm literally just leaning on his shoulder. We're holding Bud Lights in the hand, and he's telling some stories and talking about what he is seeing and just walking us me through his experiences. Just the two of us in that hallway until uh, until uh, somebody pulled me into the room. It was just uh, just amazing. Uh, I love the man. I love the family. Uh, and he, I'm 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 gonna miss like there there will forever be a bit of an emptiness every time I go down to that arena now and. Uh, you know, and know that I'm not going to get a chance to see him, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him terribly. Yeah, 100 percent, Curves. I won't keep you too much longer because I know this is not just a tough night for for you, but tough night for a lot of people in St. Louis. But I do want to talk a little bit about because I'll, I'll tell you this: every I remember doing that alumni kind of roundup that I did on the 50th anniversary, Curves, where I had the opportunity and the pleasure to talk with so many different Blues players, just their thoughts on being a part of the organization and thoughts of you know what it meant to be a St. Louis Blue. And I can honestly tell you, every single player that I 
talked to, whether it guys that played for Bobby, played with Bobby, guys that just knew Bobby from the locker room. They always told the stories of how Bobby kept things light, and he always was a jokester, and he always had fun. He's, he told the story of cutting holes basically in Scotty Bowman's T-shirts when he was sleeping on the bus. You not only had the pleasure of being around Bobby Plager, but you had the pleasure of calling games with Bobby Plager as too. So do you have any stories that stick out to you about the humor from this guy or or just just how he always seemed to keep things light on the hockey side of things? You know what? I, uh, first time I ever met Bobby was, uh, was, was doing a game uh, where the Birmingham Bulls were playing the Dayton Bombers, and uh, he, he was sitting right next to me actually for the entire game. That's how you know, the scouts were sit right next to the broadcasters in that league sometimes. And he did an interview with me during the intermission. Then during, and we were talking about fighting in the game even back then. And uh, a line brawl broke out during the, during the third period, early part of the third period. might have been the second. I don't remember at this point. Bobby just put the headphones on right next to me and just helped me call the fights and then did the rest of the period with me. And that was the first time he and I had ever met. So, yeah, listen, I've done remotes with him. I've done games with him. I've been in golf tournaments with him. Uh, I just, I, I mean, he is, he is truly Mr. Mr. St. Louis blue. And, uh, what, what a, what a, just a tragic, sad day for, for, uh, yeah, for Melissa and Kevin and, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, the, the entire family and, um, Dave is and Melissa's husband and, 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 and the, the grandkids, like, I'm just, uh, I'm crushed for all of them. Uh, and, uh, I guess the the one the one thing we do know is uh, he's being greeted by by the two people that <laughs> that he loved as much as uh, anybody, and that's his brothers, Barkley and Billy. So um, you know, the rest in peace, Bobby. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna miss him daily around around this organization. Well said. Curbs, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I know this is a tough day for you as well for how close you were with Bobby. So thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight. And uh, best wishes to you and the family on a very tough evening for you guys. And I look forward to telling more stories about Bobby throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, we will tell plenty of them, Alex. Thank you very much. Great job today. Once again, voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself i mean there is going to be an emptiness in that stadium uh when we are back in there and i know a lot of people who are already there are feeling that emptiness tonight and if you're just joining us uh the blues announced earlier today that bobby plager passed away in a car accident earlier today um at the age of 78 so some tough news surrounding the st louis blues organization uh once again this evening we'll take a break here on 101 espn when we come back we got a little special for you uh Last year, during the pause in the pandemic, Chris Kerber did an interview with Bobby Plager as he was doing pieces surrounding the history of the coaching in St. Louis. Curbs did an interview with Bobby Plager talking about his brother Barkley, which I think is very suiting tonight. Um, so we're going to bring you that interview. Bobby Plager talking about his brother Barkley Plager as a head coach and as a player coming up next here on your Home for the Blues 101 ESPN. We're back on a Wednesday night. Alex Ferrario with you. It's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors this week in hockey. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed wood plank, and more. Take advantage of up to 15% off flooring and visit one of our showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, 
St. Peter's or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk has the great floors for every home, better selection, better value, and the best service. For more than 23 years, Boardwalk is your local family-owned hardwood flooring provider. Alex Ferrario with you on a tough night here in St. Louis for the St. Louis Blues Hockey Organization and really the city of St. Louis as beloved Bobby Plager, number five in your program, number one in your heart, passed away earlier today due to a car accident in St. Louis. So we are remembering Bobby Plager. And to do that, we're going to take you back to an interview that was done in April of last year. Chris Kerber during the pause did a selection of interviews with people talking about the coaching history in St. Louis. And one of the longtime coaches for the Blues was Barkley Plager, the brother of Bobby Plager. Now, Bobby coached in St. Louis as well, but Bobby joined Curbs for an entire hour to talk about Bobby's impact from his brother and Barkley's impact on the organization. So here's uh, the beginning of that interview between Chris Kerber and Bob Plager. Boy, Bob, I don't know where we want to start on this one, but thanks for giving us some time here. Let's let's just talk about all in general, just uh, why Barkley, your brother Barkley, was just so meaningful in your life professionally and personally. Well, he was a very special person to me. Uh, you know, growing up as kids, I was not that close to Barkley. Uh, you know, you grow up, he had his friends, his group. I had my group. And, you know, in the summer times and all that, we, when he would come home from playing junior hockey, uh, he would be with his friends. I would be with mine. And, you know, during the winter, I got to play against him. And uh, uh, that was it. But when he got to St. Louis and his family, uh, we became very, very close. And, you know, my brother was the leader. And, I give a lot of credit, uh, you know, when I was in St. Louis and to be a player. He made me a lot better player and a lot better person. He he touched uh, me a lot, and I think there was a lot of, uh, as you found out, there's a lot of other players that he, uh, he touched a lot of players just the way he was. He really did. Uh, three of the young players in the Blues organization when he became coach were Rob Ramage, Brian Sutter, Bernie Federko. I mean, those are just three amongst a few others. But those three really seemed to connect with Barkley, didn't they? Well, Barkley was very special. You know, in those days when you say a, a player's coach, he was like that. And uh, he was a teacher. And uh, the way he played the game, uh, it was uh, you never give up. You're losing 5-1 two minutes to go. He still believed uh, you could still win the game. You go out there, you never quit. Uh, you know, I learned from him, uh, you go out there, you play uh, every shift, you work every shift, and, uh, uh, you know, you don't cheat your teammates, you don't cheat the fans, and that's the way he played. And You know, he got here because of a guy named Scotty Bowman, and uh, when he played junior hockey, he played for Scotty, and Scotty recognized that right away with the Peterborough Peets. Uh, they went to Memorial Cup, and Barkley was the leader of the team. He belonged to the Montreal Canadiens at the time, and uh, Scotty saw what was in him, and you know that was the first trade that Scotty made when he came to St. Louis was to get Barkley. And you talk about Barkley being in the minor leagues for six years, and yeah, there was six hockey teams in the NHL, and, and that meant there was 110 hockey players that played uh, the American Hockey League. There were great hockey players, some good hockey players, but there wasn't enough room. So, you know, I was fortunate. I belonged to the New York Rangers, and you know I went down with the Rangers in their farm clubs and come the end of the year uh they're not going to make the playoffs so it's uh well let's give some of our guys a chance uh so when there's an injury or something i got to go and play in the national hockey league when there was six teams but you do go check the records see where my brother barkley played the teams he played on 
They all won, most of them. Barkley Plager was the MVP, the best defense in the league, 70-some you know, assists. But he belonged, he belonged to the Montreal Canadiens, who would win about six Stanley Cups in a row. They have all the province to Quebec, every French kid is a hockey player. So you, know, you go to their training camp, there's 150 guys to training camp. So that's why Barkley wasn't in the NHL earlier. I, I said before he was a better player than me. I was at the Rangers, the right spot. He was in Montreal. Bob, uh, what was it in the upbringing that you guys had as a family that has led to the immense loyalty that Barkley, and we just talked to Bernie Federico, and he said, you know, he taught you about that loyalty to the organization that uh, it was so ingrained in both uh, you and Barkley. Well, again, I think, uh, you know, Barkley grew up in the Montreal organization, and there, uh, you learned a lot with the Montreal. They were winners. And when you went to the farm clubs, and Scotty Bowman, I said, was the coach, and their teams win, and it all comes from the big team. They learned how to win. They knew how to win. And, you know, it was passed on. Uh, you imagine going to training camp uh, with Montreal, and you got Rocket Richard, Henry Richard, Boom Boom, Jeffrey on, Dickie Moore, Doug Harvey, and John and, and John Bellavo, and you're at training camp, and you sit, and, and Barkley was a big believer, and, and Bernie was the same way. You went in the dressing room your first few years. You never opened your mouth. You never said nothing. You just sat there. You listened, and you learned. And I think that's what my brother uh, did. He learned. And, you know, even when I come in here, I was having a good time. I was uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of fun in this year, and <clears throat> I was having a little fun here, too. And my brother get a hold of me and said, hey, we don't do this. We don't do this. We owe it to this. We pick our spots. We do this. So, you know, I learned uh, uh, a lot from my brother, Bart. And, you know, you talked about the three guys early, Bernie yep. and Brian. When Barkley went to coach, Emil Francis was in here, and Bark had one more year on a contract. And he called Barkley in, and he said, you know, Bark, we have no coach in Kansas City. I'd like to think about going down there and being the coach. And Bark says, well, you know, I have another year in my contract. And Emil says, well, don't worry about that part. You'll get your money and everything. But that job might not be there next year. So Bark went home and thought about it. And, yeah, it's uh, meeting with Emil. And we didn't have a great team at the time. We weren't going to be good for a while. But Emil told Bark, he says, you know, we got some great young kids that are going to be in this organization. And I want you down there. And I want you to work with these kids, teach these kids the way the game is played and how to win. And, you know, that was a year he won a championship in Kansas City. He had two players down there that were on the team, Brian Sutter and Bernie Federico, who were having great years down there. But I think he was a big influence on them there. And, uh, you know, that year they brought up Bernie for a little while, and Bernie played so-so, and they sent him down. They brought up Brian so-so and sent him down, and, Barkley phoned him out. He says, Mr. Francis, these guys are great hockey players, but you don't bring them up one at a time. They have to play together. And you know the career they had together. Yeah, it really was something. At the time when Mr. Francis asked him to go down and coach, was Barkley considering retiring as a player at that point? Well, you know, uh, he was getting old. He, he might have been, but he was you know, he was working his way to become a coach and all that there, too, because even on the ice his last years, he was sort of like the coach on the ice, too, right. when he was there. 
and you know that, uh, like, I mean, they won the championship down there with those kids, and he lost Bernie and Brian, the two best hockey players in the league, uh, come up to play. So, but he still went on and won a championship. And Barkley was the playing coach down there. And you look at his record when he was in Kansas City. I think he was the coach of the year. I think he was the MVP. Uh, you know, a guy 36 years old, something like that, winning those championships. But being the best player, he was the playing coach. And he led by example down there. I've gone down there and rehabs and all that, sit with him. And, I mean, he'd go out there. I said, Bark, he was injured. Why are you playing? He says, well, he says, I don't want the players to know. And I said, well, why do you go out there, kill penalties and do all this? He says, well, I'm not going to ask my players to do it if I can't do it. I mean, it's just the way he wow. was and the way he taught we're talking with Bob Plager, uh, Blues great about his brother, Barkley Plager, here on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show. When we come back, we've got one more segment to go. Some more stories from Bob uh, on his uh, brother, Barkley, who when you bring your uh, sons, your daughters, or family members to the Enterprise Center, you're going to look up and you're not only going to see Bobby's number five, and we'll talk about that moment too here, but you're going to see Barkley's number eight. And, uh, of course, one of the foundation members i guess is the best way to put it of this franchise that created what is the style and what it is to be a st louis blue barkley plager was as big a part of that as anybody in franchise history we'll come back with our final segment on barkley plager in a moment on 101 espn we'll take a break here on this week in hockey we'll come back more of the conversation between bob plager and chris kerber as the passing of bobby plager happens earlier today due to a car accident. It's This Week in Hockey presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floor. Alex Ferrario with you. This is It's This Week in Hockey here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. We're back in on This Week in Hockey here on a Wednesday night. Alex Ferrario with you. Uh, some tough news, of course, today if you're just joining us. Bob Plager passed away due to a car accident uh, here in St. Louis. Chris Kerber joined us in the first segment of the show if you want to miss or if you want to check that interview out you can uh on the podcast after the show tonight it's this week in hockey presented by boardwalk hardwood floor as we're continuing the conversation between chris kerber and bob plager from april of this past year they were doing a profile on bobby's brother barkley plager who was a head coach for the st louis blues for a long time so once again enjoy the interview from chris kerber and bob plager bob your brother barkley becomes the head coach of the St. Louis Blues after a nine-year, ten-year when you count the two games that he played in the 76-77 season. Becomes the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. What were his biggest challenges at the time that you remember? Well, you know, he he was the leader out there. His biggest challenge, I think, was going out there. and It was just going out there and playing every shift and playing with injuries and you know, just the leader, uh, his leadership. And uh, as a coach, his biggest challenge was with the young kids. Uh, you know, he knew that this team wasn't going to win that much, but the future was good. And it wasn't always winning. It was get the players ready and not just on the ice, off the ice. And I think he talked to a lot of players, every player that came into this team, the meeting with them, if you need something, you're having a problem, you want something, you know, he was the guy that his door was open to talk. And there's players come in when they wanted to buy a house or something. You know, he loaned players money. And like I would say, his wife used to say, well, do you got any interest? No, no, they're going to pay it back. But he, he took a that was special. Every player was special. 
And one of the toughest things, the biggest challenge for my brother, Bark, was uh, the day that uh, Bob Gashoff was in the motorcycle accident and passed away. You know, when I was with Bob and his wife that day, and my first phone call was to uh, Barkley and Mr. Francis. They weren't uh, out there at the party. And Barkley and Mr. Francis came out there, and that really hurt Barkley because he was very, very close to Bob Gassoff. You know, he was he had helped Bob when he was in there, taught him a lot when he was there. But that hurt him a lot. And, uh, you know, Bob's wife was uh, pregnant at the time, ready to have a baby. And, and, you know, he was with her, and I was with him like that. And he was up to her, and she's pregnant. And he said, Diane, don't you... You know, you worry, but when you go to the hospital for your baby, I'll be right there with you. I'll be right there in the operating room. I'll be with you. Bob and I will be with you. So on the day she went to the delivery room, I got the call from my brother, Bark, and that's what it was like. We went down to the hospital. She went to the delivery room, and Bark came in with her. Bark was there when Bob Jr. was born, but that was a tough time on him. I think that's the first player, really. He lost uh, something like that. Uh, no, it was just uh, he was just such a great teacher and so good to the guys. And you know, the Miracle Monday we talked. Everybody remembers Miracle Monday, right? When, you know, that was Barkley's last year, and they all knew it was going to be his last year. Uh, so I think we overachieved that year, the Miracle Money Monday. But every player that went out in the ice, every game, and there was orders from Brian Sutter. And, Rob Ramage and Bernie, you look up at, up there and you'll see that number eight, and you play for that number eight. So it uh, made our team a lot better, and that's the effect he had on them. And, you know, after every game that we would play when Park was in the hospital, after in a coma, didn't matter, but Bernie, Brian, and Rob Ramage showed up after every game. Yeah, they did. Uh, they showed up, uh, and, and Bernie has told that story. They showed up after every game to uh, to to go see Barkley when he was in the hospital. Bobby, um, so so Barkley, he had that first coaching stint, and then he came in and he replaced Emil Francis in that eighty two eighty three season that, that you're referring to there. If I remember right, and 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 boy, correct me on this because I'm trying to remember you know you you telling me the story, but if I remember right. Barkley really did not want to go back behind the bench at that point in time, did he? Well, you know, Bark, when he first came up, Bark, uh, you know, he ended up, I got a phone call from Mr. Francis. They took Bark in the hospital, and he was like an epileptic, and they examined him, and, you know, with the machines they have now, with that, uh, they go back there, the x-rays, they found scar tissue on his uh, brain, and it was from an injury, and I know when he played in the uh, East, Eastern Hockey League, for Ottawa Hall, Scotty was the coach. He uh, got hit over the head with a stick. The guy swung a stick, hit him over the head, and stitched. And then there was scar tissue there, and it was years later. And, you know, they could control with medicine, but, you know, Red went into coach then, and then Bark went back to become the coach. And, he, you know, the way he was, he, he being sick and all this here, he didn't know if he could. He, he always thought, well, you know, they see me around the guys in this era. You know, the guys will shy away from him. They'll do this here. So he really didn't want her. Then there was a meeting with doctors and everything, and they told him, hey, you treat Barkley Pleasure the same way you've always treated him. You go out there, don't feel sorry, don't shy away, or this guy will uh, he will just walk away. 
so that's the way the players were. They treated him the same way, like there was no injury at all. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he come back. I know when they brought him up from uh, Salt Lake City, he coached in there. That was the year I come back from, uh, I'd retired, I come back to play. And Leo Biden was a coach and weren't doing good. And one day I go in the rink and I thought I saw Bargo in the office. And he was in uh, Salt Lake and he, we have a practice with no Leo Boyman. I went upstairs after seeing Mr. Francis. And I said, you know, Mr. Francis, I said, Leo wasn't there today. And I, I thought I saw Bart coming in here. That's when he told me that uh, Bart was going to come up and he was going to coach the St. Louis Blues. I was so happy. That's what he was working for. So uh, I went down and I was player coaching in Salt Lake City for him. But that, uh, but but the second his his second uh, briefer stint with the St. Louis Blues is the one that, uh, um, before he passed on and stuff. It's, that's that's the one, isn't it, Bob? Where um, he Emil Francis just kind of asked him to to fill in for the rest of that year. Yeah, and, and that was right and before Jacques Demers came in. Yeah. Yes. We had Red there. Well, Red, I don't know where the Red was gone earlier. Red, Red was gone earlier, and Emil Francis yeah. had gone between the had gone down to coach. That's what it was. Yeah, and Emil brought him in here. Yeah, because Emil uh, Red went the year we got Rob Ramage. Right, right when we got Rob Ramage. Yeah, well, he come back to and then, and then when he uh, yeah when he had the cancer and all this here, he was in there and you know his cancer was an inoperable and uh, Chuck Demers was coach then and. I went up and uh, this here I had the talks assistant because I didn't want anybody coming back in here because knowing Barkley, if they bring another coach in here, Bart's going to say, oh, they're fine. They got somebody else here. They're good. But uh, I went behind the bench and I go, I'm like, hey, Bark, you better get better. You better do something. These guys are driving me crazy, driving me crazy. And he would tell his wife, I got to get back. I got to get back. Bob's going crazy. So. So he worked his way back. He'd come back a few times, and he would leave and come back. So, And he battled he got two extra years, close to three, because being with the guys and uh, being able to coach. Bobby, let's let's wrap up talking about Barkley uh, with this. When your number was finally retired just a couple of years ago uh, and the number raised to the rafters, your number paused halfway up. Barkley's number came down. Yeah, I get chills just even telling the story. And then lined up with yours, and it went up together. What did that mean to you? Well, you know, just to go up there and be with Bark. And, you know, I tell people I would go to every game. and go to the game, and I'd look up at Bark, and I'd say, well, what team's showing up tonight, or how are we going to do tonight? And there was times during the game, uh, we're not playing good doing something. I would always look up at number eight, and i go, Oh, this isn't too good. I guess you're not too happy. Are you still, you know, I talk to number eight all the time. And then uh, when my number went up, I mean, because he is so special for me to get my number up there with his, that's even more special than what I ever did is just have my number up there with my brothers. And that night when this happened, you're there and people know I brought Barkley's wife and his four kids, his wife and his four kids. Yep. They were there when Bark's number was retired, but, you know, it was not the ceremony that we had. They were young, and I don't even know if they remembered. But I asked uh, Mike Caruso, I want my brother's family on the ice with me, not knowing that this was going to happen. So we're all there on the ice, and my number's going up, and 
my family there. And when it stops halfway up, uh, like everybody, it's silent. My kids, my family look at me and, what's going on? I goes, I don't know. I said, maybe they're going to leave it halfway up uh, for this game. I don't know. And then uh, all dark, and you look up through the light. I put the light on number eight, and all of a sudden it's starting to move and slowly come down. And and it was coming right down, the lights, spotlights on it. So the whole building and everybody I saw to cry that night, people were in there, grown men, tears in their eyes. And I look over at Bart's family. We were all tears in our eyes. And then when he stopped beside me and for a minute and and we both went up together, it's like he brought me up there. So very, very, cool. very special. And, you know, it was a hockey night in Canada, that game, too. And it went a little long, so people in Canada, you know, I mean, they had to watch it. We were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs that night, in which we won 5 nothing. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, one of the best things, and I don't know how many people know Don Cherry, but I think John Cherry is the greatest. And he said, after it was all over, he said, uh, well, I don't know who's responsible for that in St. Louis, who arranged that, but I've been through a lot of numbers that have been trucked. Uh, retired. I've seen a lot of numbers go up in the rafters, but this has to be one of the greatest. It so, really, it that, really was. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome to see. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, can I give you one more story about my number going up? Sure. It was the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was five nothing. We win, but I was about twenty minutes longer in the program than I should have been by speaking. And the Toronto Maple Leafs had played. The night before in uh, Dallas, they lost 7-1, or 6-1 or 7-1. But after the game, it's all over, and I'm walking by by their dressing room out the back, and some of the players, some of them were in there. And as I'm walking by, I hear somebody go, well, what did they expect? We're sitting there dressed, and we have to wait about an extra 25 minutes, half an hour. Well, that guy's giving his speech. Well, they're retiring that guy's number. Oh, I opened the curtains, and I walked right in there, and I go, excuse me. Excuse me. And they all look. They know who I am, and they're just looking. I go, um, whose number did they retire in Dallas last night? <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned around, walked away. Oh, I love it, Bobby. You're an absolute treasure, man. We love you very much. Th- th- thank you for so much, and thanks for once again uh, helping us tell people more about blues history and 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 your great brother Barkley. Thank you very much. He is a legend. Thank you. We'll take a final break here. When we come back, another interview that Curbs did with Bobby Plager talking about the captaincy and what it meant to the St. Louis Blues and what the captaincy means to him for the St. Louis Blues. So we'll get into that as we wrap things up tonight. Uh, Remembering Bob Plager, who passed away at the age of 78. It's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors this week in hockey on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Unfortunately, I'm here today to confirm the passing of Blues legend Bobby Plager. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Bobby Jr., Melissa, and the entire Plager family. As Bobby would fondly say, he's number five in your program, but number one in your hearts. That holds true today and forever, as Bobby truly is the St. Louis Blues.
That's Blues president of hockey operations, Doug Armstrong, making the announcement earlier today of the passing of Bobby Plager at 78 years old, who passed away in a car accident. Uh, it's This Week in Hockey, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floor. Alex Ferrario back with you as we are uh, bringing you back some interviews from Bobby Plager done by Chris Kerber. And you just heard the past two segments, Bobby talking about Barkley Plager uh, during his time as a head coach for the St. Louis Blues. But Kerbs also had the chance to talk with Bobby Plager about the impact of wearing the letter C for St. Louis. So take a listen, Bobby Plager with Chris Kerber. Uh, what does it mean to be captain of the St. Louis Blues? Well, it's something special. I wasn't captain for a long time, but uh, when I got to see, it was very special. And uh, To me, being the captain, and especially here in St. Louis, uh, like when you look back, I look back, there wasn't many, but Al Arbor, great captain, leader on the ice, uh, what he did on the ice, the way he played, wore glasses, sacrificed his body, left everything on the ice. And then my brother Bark, the captain, and it's the same way. Uh, left it on the ice just the way he played. And so when I got to see for a while, that's, boy, Al Arbor, Bob Plager, Barkley Plager. It was, it was great for me. It was a, it's a great feeling. And I think it is, is when you're growing up and you're playing hockey and you're looking around, you're, you're looking at the original six at the time then, but guys like uh, John Beliveau and the captains that played and it was Pierre Plant in Chicago. So, it was just, it's an honor to be. What is an important characteristic that a captain has to have? Well, uh, for me, and the game has changed a lot, but for me, I think the characteristic is what I talked about with the Al Arbor. Just on, uh, there was great hockey players on all teams where your goal scorers were this, but it was in those days the captain was the guy that led on the ice. So uh, that's, that's what you looked up to. It's like I say, Al Arbor. What a captain, you know, wore glasses, blocked shots. At the end of the game, he'd walk around, uh, go into the shower, black and blue, his whole body, he sacrificed himself for the team. And you respected that, and you went out there and you played hard for that. The game may have changed, but I've got to think that's still an important, maybe the important characteristic you got to have. Well, I think it is uh, important. I think that's what you need. Uh, again, you go back, uh, like when you look at Chicago Blackhawks, Bobby Hull was out there and Stan Makita. They played hockey. They scored the goals on the ice. You feared them and they were the leaders. But it was a guy like Pierre Plant was a little wee guy. Three body checks, was out there at every shift. So he was a leader. And here in St. Louis, our years, the first years, uh, people look back, uh, Al Arbor, the first captain. But the players we had uh, that we looked up to, when they spoke, we listened. Uh, you had in like Doug Harvey was in here, six Stanley Cups, seven Stanley Cups. Dickie Moore was our leader in the dressing room when he spoke or he wanted to say something, we all listened. But Montreal, but Jimmy. won seven Stanley Cups. Uh, you got in here guys like, we sat there and listened, Jimmy Roberts, yeah. what he did on the ice, the way he played on the ice, uh, you respected him. So it was, the sea was there and we had the greatest captains. You've coached. You've coached teams that have won championships. What role has the captain played in the success of that? Well, uh, you know, I, again, coached for a short time here in St. Louis, and uh, we had a player in here that it took a while, right to, before the game uh, opening night, I hadn't named a captain. And uh, there's a player out there, 
He did it on the ice. He yapped off. He said things. He said some stupid things and all that. But he went on the ice and scored two or three goals. He backed up what he said was a guy like Brett Hull. So I was the one that uh, made Brett the captain of the St. Louis Blues. And that was my reason was because, you know, guys can get up and they can yap and they can say things. They can yell and they scream. But they don't do it on the ice every night. Brett Hull, I mean, no matter what he said, he could say the stupidest things he'd say. And you go, uh-oh. But then he went on the ice, two goals, three goals. For him. So he backed up what he said. So the players could never say, there's your captain out there on the ice. He says something, he goes out there and he backs it up. So another defenseman will once again be the captain of the St. Louis Blues. When you watch Alex Petrangelo play defense, what do you think? Well, I know when we drafted him, high draft choice, and you know, you draft players that, uh, and you draft them in their uh, first round picks, you think maybe someday they will be a captain. And here's a player that over the years has gotten better and better. Uh, you watched last year in the playoffs, plays 28, 29 minutes. He doesn't cheat you on the ice every shift he's out there. And he leads uh, when he's out there, penalty kill and power play. So he's, he's the player that is done, led on the ice. Players look up to. I mean, he didn't wear a C, but they still looked up to him for the last couple of years and in the playoffs. So the guy's getting a C. You're not giving it to him. He's earned it and he's probably going to get better. But what he's done in the last few years, the improvement, and the way he's played, uh, I think it showed last year in the playoffs, he's taken this team. And we were very successful, and he was a big, big part of it. Great. Anything else? No, Rich, good, huh? Yep. Perfect. That is going to do it for us tonight here on This Week in Hockey. Again, a special edition as Bobby Plager passes away earlier today at the age of 78, being involved in a car accident. And if I could just share one memory of Bobby Plager. Uh, this is coming from a kid who uh, grew up in St. Louis, big fan of the St. Louis Blues, and I was on the broadcast doing pre and post on a weekend game, already nervous as heck. And it was the passing of Jimmy Roberts, actually, a former teammate of um, Bob Plager and somebody that Bobby was very familiar with. And I had Bobby come up on an intermission to talk. And Bobby, after he did the interview with me, told me that I was doing a phenomenal job on the broadcast and he enjoyed listening to the pre and post games when I was on it. And that meant the world to me to get that um, positivity from Mr. St. Louis Blue, Bobby Plager. And as Curbs mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a hole that I don't think will ever be filled um, by the hockey team, and it's an emptiness that is going to be felt inside Enterprise Center because I'll always remember Bobby uh, just uh, storming the hallway and never staying in one spot because he, he was always nervous that when things weren't going well, he needed to move around. And when he found that right spot when the Blues were winning, he stayed there. And he picked a spot in the Stanley Cup Final Game 7 in Boston, and then he got his Stanley Cup parade. So, uh, Bobby, we miss you. We love you. Uh, we're never going to forget you here in St. Louis. Prayers to that entire Plager family. Such a tough day for them. Tough day for the city of St. Louis. Tough day for St. Louis Blues fans. So that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow for Blues and Wild, and you'll hear that action right here on your home for the Blues, 101 ESPN.